Everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott. I hope everyone's doing good. I'm excited, Tim. I'm very excited. Why are you so excited, John? We're pairing up with hockey fights. How cool is that? Oh, man, I've been so excited. I've been sitting on this news for way too long. I I couldn't keep it a secret anymore. I'm so glad that the secret's out. Yeah, so we've been working on this for, I don't want to say, a few weeks now, maybe even a month, where... We've been going back and forth. We're super excited. We've, we've paired up with Hockey Fights. I'm sure we have a few thousand, maybe a couple, 10, 20,000 new listeners to this episode. So if you haven't heard us, thank you for joining the pod. We're very excited to have you on. Hopefully you can stick around. Um, we, we, do, we do a little different pod here than the normal hockey ones. We're very family friendly. We try to keep it a little light, but we, we delve into hockey stuff that I don't think other uh, hockey podcasts delve into. So thank you for joining us if you're new. If you're existing listeners, we love you guys. We love you to death. Tim especially loves you very, very much. Our, our new listeners, excuse me, this is Tim. He's my co-host, the man, um, I don't know what to call you. He's Tim. Say hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. Oh, that's, the, <laughs> that's the type of quality stuff you get out of Tim, everybody. He just, just yeah. innovative stuff. Innovative stuff. Myself now. I'll mute myself. Yes, I mean, you should. Anyone want to say something. But anyways, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you to Hockey Fights. It's going to be fun. I think we're going to do a lot of cool stuff. I'm excited to talk about fighting more. I feel like we've shied away from it a little bit just because, I don't know, there's just so much hockey stuff to talk about. I enjoy talking about fighting. I did it my whole life. I did it before I even played hockey. You know, I, I grew up back home in Canada, you know, just getting into fisticuffs as a young kid. And here we are, you know, 30 years later, we're still talking about fighting. So I enjoy, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy talking about it. So it's going to be a good pairing. I'm very, very, very excited to join up with these guys. But anyways, Tim, we got a, we got a packed, packed docket to talk about. Where do you want to start? Uh, you were on TV this weekend. So why don't we start there? Tell us what happened there and, and what you talked about. How weird is it that people still want me to be on TV? It's so bizarre. The older you get, the more you have a face for podcasting. So I'm surprised they, they want you on the video. I feel like they get surprised every time because this one was a FaceTime with Brody Brazil from San Jose. I didn't really know where this was going to end up, but I guess it was on their pregame show or postgame show. I don't know where it ended up, but he popped up my, my screen. He's like, whoa, John, like, how are you, man? Cause I, I, don't know, <laughs> I just decided to grow a beard this month. And it's super gray, and I look super old and super tired. And FaceTime, nobody looks good on FaceTime. And it was just not a good look. And then I get a text from Scott Hannon last night, and I'm on, like, the big stinking NBC Jumbotron screen. I'm just like, holy moly, I had no idea. I would have combed my hair. I would have maybe <laughs> got a little bit of better lighting. I looked, I looked terrible. But anyway, it was fun. It's, it's always fun to talk about teams you've played for, especially San Jose. I had such a good time there. And um, it was just a pregame show. It was a good time. We talked about how the Sharks are doing, you know, my expectations, my time with San Jose. It was a nice trip down memory lane. I have, I have nothing but good things to say about that city. Well, we had a lot of tweets about your appearance there. And, and you said some, I would say, maybe not untrue or anything like that, but pretty bold things. And people maybe who, Sharks fans, uh, people who aren't Sharks fans who didn't listen to the show, maybe want to just kind of quickly recap your sentiments from last night. 
Well, I feel like people don't like hearing the truth sometimes. And I think they think I'm just going to blow smoke up the sharks, you know, behinds if I go on a shark NBC show. And so Brody Brazil asked me, you know, what I think of the Sharks. And I'm just assuming he thought I was like, you know, I love them. They're looking really good. They have so many superstars. This and that. But I gave him, you know, my honest answer. I think their window is closed. I think they're going to be in a tough position for the next five to seven years. They have some atrocious contracts. They, the players that they do have signed to long-term deals, they're playing like garbage. Like, they're not performing to their money value. And what do you do when you got a guy signed for 10 million bucks and he's got zero goals, three assists, and he's just a constant dash every single game. And he doesn't show interest at all in the game. You got to put him on the ice. You know, he, he's supposed to be the anchor of your back end. He's apparently one of the best defensemen in the world from what I've, from what I've been told. But that's the moment he stepped in San Jose, he transformed into like me. You know, I scored more goals in San Jose than Eric Carlson has. It's not a good look for him. So, I don't know. I was just watching the game last night. They played St. Louis. It was a shootout. It was an absolute shootout. St. Louis won. They came back and they won 7-6. So, if I'm telling you, Tim, you're, you're a fan. You did not see the box score. San Jose scored six goals. How many points does Carlson have? I would say probably a goal and two assists. Right. He's got to have at least two, three points. Zero points dash two. No, seriously? Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? What is going on with this guy? Like, when Doug Wilson signed him, everybody thought he was a genius. They pried him out of Ottawa. They got him for a decent – well, they thought was a decent price. was a first-rounder and ended up being the third overall pick. And San Jose looked like the big dummy on the block. But at that time, everyone was like, this is good. Their first-round pick is going to be a late first-rounder. They're going to make a deep playoff push, potentially win the Stanley Cup. They already had an unbelievably deep core with Vlasic and Braun and Brent Burns and Brendan Dillon. Like, they had the best defense core in the league. And then you add Eric Carlson, it was a no-brainer. This guy comes in, and he's just been laying deuces all over the ice. Like, he's done absolutely nothing. He's, all, he's a detriment to the team. He doesn't bring anything. And you got to pay him $10 million a year. It's unbelievable how this has not worked out for San Jose. And then you add on to that list, you got Brent Burns. He ain't looking any younger. He's signed to a big deal for a long, a long term. You got Mark Edward Vlasic. He doesn't look interested out there. He did not have kind words to say when we talked to him last year about some of his teammates. So it's just a recipe where it's like, how is this team going to compete, let alone this year, next year, the year after, the year after? They have some decent young forwards. The only thing I can see them doing is you got to move Hurdle. You got to move Meyer. You got to move Couture you're not going to be able to move those D-men unless you eat a big chunk of their contract. So, I don't know. I, I hate to bag on San Jose. I really do. They deserve a winner. The fan base is just rabid. They, they love their team. The Shark Tank, when it gets rocking, it is one of the most intimidating places to play. I remember going in there, and if they scored, all of a sudden you looked up, they had already scored two more just because that rink is so loud and intimidating. You just get locked like – once they start rolling, you can't do anything. So I don't know. What do you, if, if I'm saying something wrong, Tim, you stop me because it, these guys are in tough. At least when you look at Anaheim and L.A., they're showing some signs of life. Like the Sharks, they just show no signs of life on a nightly basis, and it's just tough. It's tough to watch. 
I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. And I think it's really been, we're on a little bit of a stretch on this show, spilling some hard truths about some fan bases and, and, and teams that are going through some a rough patch, right? Because we had Baron on last week talking about the Sabres. We had PJ Stock talking about the Canadians. And those teams have kind of, I mean, the, the big trend here is this really bad contracts. All three of those teams, they're underperforming. They're not playing great, but they are just saddled with just albatross contracts that are going to hurt them for years and years. And Sharks might actually be the worst of it. Out of the three, like the Sharks might have the worst patch of contracts. I mean, they have – I forget the numbers. I don't have it in front of me. But it's like something like $25 million across three defensemen for the Sharks between those, those big three defensemen. And, and the, the shortest contracts, like four or five more years. Like, it's just silly. Um, I, I do feel for them. Like, I want them to win. I really wish that Jumbo and Marlow and all those guys had won just one cup there. Um, but now I think they're – they got to be like a decade away from competing again, right? Like I know it is sad because when you look at the teams that are saddled with all these contracts, it's like, okay, Chicago is going to be in trouble. They have Seabrook and Keith and Kane and Taves are locked up for a long time. Pittsburgh is the same way. You look at LA's the same way. Anaheim's the same way. All these teams have won Stanley Cups. All of them have won Stanley Cups, most of the multiple Cups. San Jose has not won a Cup. That's, that's the difference. They went all in with this group expecting to win a cup. They have not won a cup. And so that is the tough pill to swallow. It's like, man, we went all in. We pushed all our chips into the middle. We did not win a cup. And so that is really, really hard to wrap your head around when you look at all the other teams that are in the same position. It's like we have nothing to show for it. We just have all these bad contracts. Now we're going to look at the same guys for the next four years, and they ain't getting any younger, and they ain't getting more faster, and they ain't getting any more skilled. So the league's getting faster. The league's getting more skilled. So it's just going to – it's it's going to be a tough three years. It's going to be a tough three or four years unless Doug Wilson can somehow flip these contracts and find a trade partner. Edmonton is desperate for a defenseman. Get rid of one of them. You never know. You ne- you'd have to sweeten it with the first rounder. But it's, it's still really, really hard to move these guys. But, you know, what are you going to do? A guy who was there – Moved on, and he's looking pretty good. Oh, how much fun is Joe Thornton having right now? I tell you what, he has found the fountain of youth. How, like, if, if you're him and you're sitting in San Jose last year, you're hating life, you, you honestly don't want to go play because you just lose every game. It's not enjoyable. In your wildest dreams, could you imagine next year, I'm going to be playing with the greatest goal scorer in the league right now and a forward who can put the puck right where you want it to be at any given time with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. Like this guy must be just loving life right now. I've, I, I texted back and forth with him a few times and he's just having a blast. He, he has always had fun playing hockey and now playing with those two guys, he's got eight points in the last five games. He had a little bit of an injury bug, but he's playing like the jumbo like the 1960 version of Jumbo. Like, he's killing it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he proved me wrong because I didn't think he was going to stick with that first line. He's, he's killing it. Yeah, it's, it's fun to watch because right now, especially if you look at what's happening in San Jose, and you know that even if he's not going to say it, like, he's a human being. He's absolutely looking back and being like, oh, man, I'm glad I'm not, you know, in that dumpster fire right now. And on top of that, he's sitting, like, on a team that's just dominating the Northern Division. They're 16-4-2. Just think about that for a second. 16-4-2, 7-2-1 in their last 10. Just unbelievable. 
Um, and he's got eight points in his last five games. His two goals, six assists. I mean, he's skating with the two of the most talented and fastest guys in the league right now, and he's and he's keeping up and he's and he's producing. So it's just happy for him. Um, you know, I, I hate the fact that he's going to lose in the Stanley Cup to the Bruins, but it's going to be good for him just to get there. And I, I you know, I'm happy that Joe is not in San Jose anymore because no one deserves that. You know what? I I actually agree with you. I don't think Toronto will win the Stanley Cup. And I feel like our hypotheses that we um, posed a few shows ago about the North division just being smoke and mirrors. It's like the Wizard of Oz of the division where everyone thinks it's this great show and all these teams are great. I think the more they play, the more we see behind the curtain where it's like, these guys aren't that good. Like this, this division is run and gun. Like all they do is just try to score goals. And that's fun. That's entertaining. That's great. Once you get to the playoffs and you get to the final four and you're Toronto and you have to step foot in Colorado or St. Louis and those guys have been playing lockdown defense for 56 games plus play. Like, what are you going to do when you're not used to being played that hard? Like, it's going to be just completely like deer in headlights when these guys show up to the rink and they turn around and there's a guy next to them and they don't have any room to move and they try to, you know, cross the blue line and there's a guy in their face. These like they're playing shinny hockey. It's pond hockey in the North division. If you look at the average goals per game in the NHL right now, it's like three. The North division is like four and a half. Like they're a full goal and a half more than the rest of the league. Like it's, it's amazing how bad the defensive end is in that, in that division. The goalies aren't, you know, the goalies are okay. The defense is just, it's atrocious. So I think that's going to be the main issue for Toronto. They will win the North division. Like the only team I could see giving them a a problem, Tim is Winnipeg. I like the way Winnipeg's come on. They're playing pretty well. If if they can get it together, they're a scary team, but Toronto's just loaded. Once they get out of that division, I think it's just going to be a wake up call. It's like, whoa, we were, we were not playing hockey. We were playing just shinny hockey with no contact. Okay, well, but you mentioned St. Louis, you mentioned Colorado, but, but you know, one of these teams just passed both of those guys in the last week and a half. Have you been following what Minnesota's been doing? Of course. I always follow my former teams, Tim. They've won six games in a row, um, and they're behind only Vegas for the top of that division now, which is, I mean, probably the second best division after the, the one the Bruins are in, whatever that one's called, the East Division. Um, but they've leapfrogged both Colorado and St. Louis. That Kirill Kaprizov kid has 17 points in 18 games. He's got eight in his last five. So he's surging. He's firing on all cylinders right now. And he's not only putting up points, but he's doing like some incredible things on the ice. Like the stuff he's doing, the highlight reel skating. He had that wraparound goal the other night. Like he's just, he's just flashy. He's, he's a lot of fun to watch. And this is a team that we thought was going to be boring. It's like watching paint dry sometimes the way these guys play. But they're, they're proving us wrong. Uh, Matt Zuccarello. He's returned from injury a few days ago. He has 11 points in seven games played this year. I mean, it's just, it's crazy how well these guys are doing. And then you got the goalies. They're doing really well. Both Cam Talbot, who's four and two with a 2.29 goals against and 926 save percentage. And then that Kakanen kid, too, eight and four. So he's getting most of the starts, about two thirds of them. And he's two, 241 goals against, 915 save percentage. So they're both playing well. They're both probably. I don't know, near the top of the league in both of those stats. I mean, Minnesota, did you, did you see this coming at all? Or do you think this is kind of – do we know that they, they were this good? Well, we, we always knew they were good, right? And that division, we knew what was going to happen. 
St. Louis and Colorado, we thought we were going to control the vision. And then the next two spots were going to be up for grabs. We didn't know what to expect with Nashville. We didn't know what to expect with Minnesota. Hold on. But you, you keep skipping over Vegas, too. That, they're in that division. Oh, excuse me. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, those three teams were a lock. We didn't know who was going to get that last spot. And Minnesota, is the, it's a surprise, right? I, I think the key to this team, like you said, I think everyone knew Kirill Kaprizov was going to be good. You know, we crushed it over in Russia. We knew what we were getting from him coming in. Matt Zuccarello. I played with this guy in the Rangers. He is a special talent. He, he can control the puck. He gets in the hard areas where most players don't want to go, and he can, he can stick out of the puck when he's in the phone booth. That, that's the thing that he does better than a lot of different guys. You can push him up against the board. You can make him play in the hard areas. He still manages to make a play, and they're getting contributions from all over the lineup. That Jordan Greenway, the big, big lefty that they have, he's got 14 points. He's putting up big pims. He's doing the job. Like He's a huge, hard-nosed left winger, gets up and down the ice, and he's just a strong, strong forward. What I like about Minnesota is their D. I don't think they get that much recognition. They gave Spurgeon the C. He's taken off. He's having another strong year. They got Matt Dumba. They got Jonas Brodeen. They got Suter. Like, can you think of another team that is a better decor? Maybe Vegas? Minnesota's definitely up there. Top five, I would think. I, I think so. They have Ian Cole and Pattern. Like, they have a strong, strong decor. And when you have that type of depth and your goaltender showing up, that was their big issue the last few years. Devin Dubnik was, he wasn't good. Like he was not good. He hasn't been good since 2016, 17. You got Cam Talbot, you got this Kakanen kid. They're producing, they're playing well. All you need is a goalie who's going to save the pucks when they have to be saved. Devin Dubnik was not doing that. He was letting in soft goals. And when you have that, if you let in, let in one soft goal a game, you're going to lose. Like you, you can't win games in this, in this day and age. So I don't know. Can they sustain this? We'll see. When you're playing Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado on a night-in, night-out basis, it's tough. But, man, they're fun teams. They made a few moves in the offseason. They got Nick Bukestead. If you haven't seen this kid, he's really, really good. He's six foot six. He's slick. He can skate with the puck. He's got a really good shot. And he's just good. They got Marcus Foligno, my guy. He was on the show a few weeks back. He can fire the puck. He can punch like a mule. So they just got a decent team. They're built well. They don't have a weak line. You know, they can roll four with the best of them. And I think in that division, you have to be strong for four lines because you look at St. Louis, you look at Colorado, you look at Vegas, they roll four lines. And if you can't match up with them four lines, you're going to lose. You can't just roll three, two lines and expect to win in that division. So, I don't know. Maybe they fall off. I I think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to stick in the second seed like they are right now, but it's fun. Minnesota's a good team. Who knew? So, John, um, I know you like waking up early. You try to get up before the kids and everything, right? So, your morning routine, do you have a cup of coffee? Do you make a little breakfast? Does that all sound about right? Why are, where are we going with this? Is, is part of your morning routine to check the uh, – every single day, do you check the waiver wires from the day before and just see which players were claimed by what teams in the NHL? Is that kind of part of your thing? Um, no. That's no. not part of my routine. Why? Okay, so there was some uh, waiver action over the weekend, and one of them was a guy that is forever going to be linked to you, whether people realize it or not. Jared Tenorti was claimed by the Bruins. Um, he is a six foot six defenseman, big lefty, um, not too talented. He's been in, up and down. I think he's played most of his career in the minors. He's played about 88 um, NHL games over the past maybe eight or nine seasons. So, like, he's not like he's a, he's a minor league player, right? 
Why do people – why should we know about him? His claim to fame is he got traded for me. <laughs> That's the only reason people know about this bum. He got. He was with Montreal. I was yep. with Arizona. The fix was in. The NHL traded me for him, which what's funny is that I don't, I, I don't like talking about the all-star stuff because I think that's just been beat to death. But when I did get traded, my GM pulled me into the stick room. It was Don Maloney at the time. And he goes, we traded you. And I, you know, I, I had some choice words for him. I was like, are you blank? Like this and that. And he's like, yeah, you know, uh, it was a hockey move. We had to trade you. I think we got a good return. I was like, well, who, what was the trade? And he goes, we traded you for Jared Tenorti. And I looked at him right in the eye and I literally said, are you this, like, I, I, it's a family-friendly show. And he's like, yeah, you know, we think he's going to bring a lot to the team. And I'm like, I go, Don, I would beat the doors off that guy if we fought. And he's like, you know, he's a good, strong defenseman. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I just walked out. I'm like, you're nuts. Like, you're absolutely nuts. And sure enough, he went to Arizona. He was terrible. And nothing against Jared Tenorti, but he's the same player as I was. He's the exact same player, but I'm tough. Worse, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's worse. He's probably better with the puck, for whatever that's worth. Like he was a first rounder. Like he he had high expectations. He got drafted first round somewhere in the twenties, I think. Never panned out, but it was just like oh. And then he, I, I don't know where he's been the last few years. Why did the Bruins pick him up? They don't need toughness, do they? I don't know. I guess the Islanders have some strength in that division. Nobody else really has much Philly, maybe. I don't think so. Is he going to play the Bruins in first place? Why get this guy, Tim? Why? Well, they 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 lost a lot of defensemen, especially on that left side. They've had a lot of guys go down to injury. Lazan has missed some time. Grizzly has missed time. So they needed some help. I mean, it's a player, you know, he's a minor league player who can come up in big body and, you know, in certain situations he can play. I don't see him getting a ton of starts in the NHL for the Bruins, but it can only help him. So, I mean, I don't hate the move, but I, I, I think you're overestimating him as far as, like, his, his skill level. Like, I'm looking at his stats right now. He's got 11 points in 88 career games, which is not terrible. But like his his shots, what's the most? What do you know offhand? The most shots you had in a single season? Probably like 30 or 50. I don't know. Yeah. So this guy's got 20, and his most in the most shots he ever had in a season was 20. Well, which is just, that's not. He, that's a tough metric because. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to yeah. defend him. I'm trying yeah. to defend him. He, he does get a lot of minutes. That's the thing. So when you're a defenseman and you play 12 to 15 minutes a game and you play a good 60 games, you should get 45 to 60 shots. I would think you should get one shot a game. That's like a, a benchmark. So maybe, I don't know. Yeah, that, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to defend him because he's similar to me, but he doesn't belong in the game anymore. Like, there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's so many better defensemen than he is, like, just floating around. I literally, and I'm not just saying this, I could go into a two-week training camp, and I'd be just as good as Jared Tonardi right now. I'm 38 years old. I look like I'm 51 right now. But <laughs> yeah. I feel like I could really buckle down for two weeks, and I could be better than Jared Tonardi. I would be tougher than he is. I, could guarantee, I can guarantee that. I could get off the couch right now, go to Boston, and still pump him. And he'd be done. Like that. That that is not even a question. But hey, they must know something. Don Sweeney must know something that I don't, because the Bruins are in first place, and they need they need Jared Tenorti. Apparently, good for him. He's going to a potential Stanley Cup winner, and if he gets a ring, I'll be upset. <laughs> I'll be better. I'll be a little better. Oh man. Um, all right. So I want to 
play a little game here. This is a new segment. Oh, we haven't done it before. Games. Yeah. So this is lack of a better word. I, if you guys have a better idea for this, I'd love to hear it tweeted at us at dropping underscore gloves, but we're just going to call it guess who. Cause I can't think of anything better right now. Speaking but, of that, one of my favorite games to play with the kids is guess who the, um, the game, the guess board who, game with all yeah. the faces. There's yeah, like yeah. 30 faces. My kids it's are fun. so funny. They always like, uh, do they have blonde hair? I, I, win every, I win every time, but they always ask the same question. It's a good game. If you get a person in that game who has a hat or glasses, you might as well just start all over. You're going to lose. Because there's only like six pers- people who have hats and like eight people who have glasses. So anyways, go ahead. Sorry, Tim. Okay, so basically what, how this is going to work, I'm going to give you a, a series of hints, and we're going to see how quickly you can guess who I'm talking about. And if you're listening at home, you know, do, try to keep up and see if you guys can guess this as well. All right, you ready, John? Yeah. This player played in the NHL from 1990 to 2011. He played for 21 years? Yes. Whoa. He retired in 2011. Any, any inkling yet? Any guesses? 90 to 2011. Chris Chelios. No. Okay. Next 10. He was drafted first overall. Vincent LeCavier. Nope. <laughs> 1990. I don't know. When was he? He was like 96? Like 2000, 99 maybe. I don't know. All right, next one. Five-time All-Star, one-time Olympic gold for Team Canada. I need a position. I'll get there. Does that give it away? No, but I'll get there. Eric Lindros? Nope. Um, he he played for 21 years. That's... No, <laughs> he played for like 21 weeks. Yeah. All right. Um, he played for the Nordique slash Avalanche, the Sharks. Oh, what? Oh, Nolan. Yes. Cowboy. That was easier than I thought. He played what? for 21 years. Yeah. Do you know he was born in Northern Ireland? I did know that. Yeah. Without getting you giving it away. So I would consider myself good friends with Owen Nolan. Let's have him on the show. So we played together in Minnesota and I'll never forget he is one of the most intimidating guys to meet in person because his nickname was Cowboy. His nickname was Grumpy. And it was for a reason, just because he was ornery. Like, he was just one of those guys who was prickly. You know when you meet someone and you just, like, you can tell they're not interested in talking to you and they just don't want you around. They want to do their own thing. It's like, get out of here. And that's how he was. So I met him. I was like, hey, you know, Mr. Nolan, nice to meet you. He played for the Thor Blackhawks, which was the junior team that I played for. So we had something in common. And he just was like, he just blew me off. He's like, yeah, hey, hey kid. I'm like, I'm actually not a kid. I've been, I've, you know, I've been in the <laughs> league for a year. Like, hey, nice to meet you. Um, I'll never forget. He was hurt. And I was, you know, a healthy scratch. And we were doing this drill after practice. And I, like, he was just doing this drill where he went around the circle. I would go back and retrieve the puck. I'd hit him on this. I was supposed to hit him in the tape and he was going to take a shot. And we just, you know, kept going around and around and around. I kept missing you know, the pass. And it happened once, twice, three times. Cause I didn't know where he wanted it. I didn't know if he wanted on his backhand, which would have been in front of him or his forehand, which was behind him, but he could release the shot, you know, right away. Cause he was going to take a shot on net. Anyways, it's a boring story. So I, I get him in the corner and like, Hey, um, Owen, where do like, you know, where, where would you want me to pass the puck? I'm having a, you know, I don't know where to give it to you. He looks me dead in the eye and he doesn't know me at all. He's like, put it on my effing stick. And like dad's looking me right in the eye and I like, oh, sorry. 
And that was it. You know, you think a veteran of 20 years would be like, you know what, kid, don't worry about it. Just throw it. Give it to me beforehand. It'll be fine. You know, you're doing well. He was put on my effing tape and that was it and skated away. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that was it. And I, I, I threw five more bad passes and he just left the ice. He's like, I can't do this. And I was like, this is the most, like I thought I was gonna be sent down. I guess it's not that <laughs> exciting of a story when you hear it, but in the moment when you're a rookie and you have this guy and you're trying to impress him and he's just like, this blows. Oh, I, I felt so bad. That was a tough year. That was a tough year. I, I think that's a great story. I mean, what do you think? What did rookies say about you when you were a veteran? Like, wh- were you, which, how were you to them? I was, uh, in my mind, I think I was really approachable just because I, I knew what they were going through. I was never one of these high draft pick guys who expected to play and everything. So I was like, rookies are always on the bubble. You never know where you're going to end up. You never know if you're going to play or be sent down or this and that sent back to junior. So, but I, I think like I was, I was honest with them. If they weren't good, I'd be like, yeah, you're going back to juniors. Like, you're not <laughs> going to make it, you know, cause they would give them those nine games. And I told multiple guys, like I remember did, telling Miracle. Did they ask you? Did, no, I just you, tell them. Just offer, hey, by the way, you're going, you're going down. And I would say, I'm like, I hope you go back so I can get more ice time. You know? And it, they think I was joking, but I was being dead serious. I was like, Hey, you know, you guys should go back to juniors. It'd be probably better for your development. I told that to Dylan Strom, told it to Miracle Mueller. I told it to Mikhail Grigorenko. And it was always like the high draft picks. We thought they, you know, belong there. I was like, no, you guys go back to junior and you, you'll be, you'll develop there and then I'll see you next year. And that'll be better for you. And mostly two of them did, but then uh Grigorenko stuck around and it ruined his career. It ruined his career because he stuck around. They had to play him and it stunted his growth. He was stuck on the fourth line with me and he just, it, it ruined him. It honestly ruined him. He had to go back to Russia, gain his uh, confidence. And now he's back. He's playing okay now, but still, oof. Yeah, I was a good, I was a good vet, Tim. I was a good vet. Good. <laughs> I, you're like I don't believe you. <laughs> all right, what else, Tim? No, that's all I got tonight. Anything else you want to wrap up with or leave for our new listeners? I got a question for you. I got a game for you. We're gonna do a little haul or not, Tim. Okay. And we're gonna do a Boston Bruin player. Okay. Your team. Patrice Bergeron. Before looking at his stats, what do you think? Hall or not Patrice Bergeron? Uh, yes. I'm going to say yes. Okay. So he's got over a point a game. No, almost a point a game. He's got almost 900 points at 1,100 games. What's wild to me is he's only won one Stanley Cup. I, when, I, when I saw that, I was like, he's only won one Stanley Cup. But I guess the Bruins haven't won a Stanley Cup in over a decade. Anyways, one Stanley Cup, four-time Selkie winner. What's so funny? Yeah, I just no. Did you say? Did you not know that, or are you just saying that just to get a rise out of me? When you think of the Bruins, you just assume they've won a cup in the last ten years. They haven't. Yeah, don't you think they've been to two more since they won in two thousand eleven, but they lost. I know, but it just seems like when you think of the Bruins, it's like yeah, they've won a cup in the last six years. You just pencil it in, but they're because they're always there. They just can't finish it, I guess. But anyways, he's got four selkies. He was nominated for nine straight, which is an NHL record. Two-time All-Star. He's won two golds. He's got a World Cup of Hockey gold. Does that count, the World Cup of Hockey? Are we counting that now? Uh, listen, I'm just telling you what I found in my research. You can use it or not. All right, and he's got golds with World Juniors, World Cup, Olympics, Spangler. Like, the guy wins everywhere he goes. Very few guys have won on the international stage like he has. It's like him and Johnny Taves. Like, he's just won everywhere. So you think he's a Hall of Famer? 
Yeah, and you know what I think is cool too. This not that this counts toward his Hall of Fame um, argument or anything, but like the last couple of uh, Olympics, Crosby out of everyone in Canada wants to play on a line with Bergeron. Even like even eight years ago, when Bergeron like wasn't the maybe the superstar that he is now, he wasn't putting up points the way he has in the last few years. He's like, I want Bergeron on my line. I think that's really neat. Kind of speaks a lot to who he is as a player and the way that like other players in the league think about him. Yeah, I agree. So okay, if if you put him in the hall, what about Marshawn? Marshawn could be a Hall of Famer, but I think he's it's it's too soon to tell. I mean, it's too soon to tell the both of them. We're projecting a little bit, but I I do think Bergeron will be a Hall of Famer. I I agree. I agree. He, his points aren't there with the typical person in the Hall of Fame. What saves him is his international success, and like you said, players just really enjoy playing with him. And his two way play. Yes, I agree. Because usually we that it's tough with the Hall of Fame because when you look at you just look at the stats and those don't show up on the stat line. Like you can't just, there's a stat saying he's a really good two way player because plus minus doesn't take that into account. Plus minus is a useless stat. I guess the four Selkies, but again, it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know. I don't even like the individual awards per se, because it's almost like a popularity contest. And what they do is they give awards to guys who they think deserve it because they've been good for five, six years and they haven't won. It's like, well, he, it's his turn this year. So I think you can pencil in the Selkie every year. It's like, well, everyone just thinks Ryan O'Reilly and Patrice Bergeron and Jonathan Taves and those guys. There are a lot of good defensive forwards out there who probably deserve a Selkie more than Patrice Bergeron on a year-to-year basis. But he just has that reputation. Datsuk was the same way. Once you earn that reputation, you're just penciled in. Because people don't really pay attention to who's a good defensive forward. They just know there's a handful of guys in this. I don't know, right? Call me crazy. I mean, yeah, but if you're watching, you just know. Like, the, the, he's like highlight real defensive plays. Like, he's chasing down guys on breakaways and breaking up the play. You know what I mean? Like, he does it every single night. It's just. He doesn't do it every night where he's chasing down. You, you see, this is what I mean. You're over exaggerating. He's probably done it twice in his career. No, no, come on. This, you could probably watch, find a highlight video of YouTube. Just him doing you that. Find for 10 me a video minutes. of Bergeron doing that more than three times, and I'll buy you breakfast. You already owe me a bunch of breakfasts. Do a, find me a video of him doing it three times, chasing down a guy in a breakaway and picking his pocket. I, I dare you. Dare you. Double dare. All right. You're yeah. not going to find it. I got some I'm homework to do. The Selkie is an award that's completely it's, – it's subjective where there's no rhyme or reason behind the person being nominated. I, I do think it's a popularity contest. When you look at the Norris, when you look at the Hart, when you look at the Calder, when you look at all these awards, there are stats behind it. You're the Hart, you're usually carrying your team, and you got a ton of points. When you look at the Norris, you got a ton of points, and you're the best defenseman on your team. It's, it's, it's black and white. There are so many good defensive forwards in the league that don't get recognition. Anze Kop- Kopitar never gets nominated, really. It's he, was, he, he, he won he one year, didn't he? But not as much as, like, Bergeron. They're the same Bergeron's player. better. Bergeron's no, better. Ryan O'Reilly and um, the guy on Philadelphia is really good. Heck, Claude Giroux is a heck of a defensive player. They're all around the league. Tavares never gets nominated. He's a heck of a defensive player. Bergeron just got labeled as a good defensive forward who hustles up and down the ice. So now they throw him in there because there's no <laughs> metrics to figure out how good of a defensive player is. There's no metrics to it. It's like, oh, he's really, he's really responsible in his own end. I can tell. It's like, okay, good. Steve Ah was a good defensive player. Why is he not given that award? Because it's a, isn't it two way play? It's not just yeah. defense. It's mostly it's mostly based on your defensive work. 
But I, I don't know. But just to yeah. recap, you said yes to the Hall of Fame, right? Because you're kind of arguing against him right now. I did. He's got a really good Olympic record. He's got a good international record. I'm just okay. saying I was, I was arguing against Soki. I, I don't like that award. I think it's a terrible award. I think it should go away. The way of the dodo. Bye. I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. Anyways, yes, but I think yes, and I think Marshawn eventually will be yes. They've been powerhouses for a decade in the league, and what? You shaking your head at? No, it's just crazy how far Marshawn has come from like a, a fourth liner to, you know, one of the best forwards in the league right now. Just he was a fourth liner. Yeah, yeah. Really? Oh yeah, because he was just like a grinder. Like he was just a, an agitator, and no one really realized he had this kind of this skill to him. Is it amazing that on my fantasy team, I have Marshawn, Pasternak, or pra- what, Pasta? How do you say Pasta? Pasternak? Pasternak. <laughs> what is I that? Pasternak? Pasternak? Whatever. You got to go to bed, John. I got McDavid. I got Shifley. I got Darnell Nurse in the back end. I got Debrinka. I have such a good team. So do I. It's unbelievable. For our new viewers... I'm crushing my fantasy league. But anyways, we'll talk about it another day. Anything else, Timbo? No, no. All Thank right, everybody. For our new listeners for listening, I hope you stick around. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. I, I'm actually lining up Wayne Gretzky, Tim. It's going to be very exciting. Are you really? So I got a, I got a call with um, his people this week. So mm. we'll get him on the show. It'll be good. That's we'll talk cool. about Wayne Gretzky and his fights, all of his uh, glorious fights. <laughs> Does he have any fights? I don't even know. I don't know. I imagine like a slap fight like Alexander Semin. I want to ask him about the time when it was McCreary. Somebody hit him, and that was the last game that guy ever played in the NHL. So really? I, want, I want to ask him about that. Like the guy actually blew him up on the blue line, like buried him, and he never played a game again, and he became the, an NHL referee. I think the league it was just banned him. Yeah. Like this is our ticket to gain everybody, so you can't touch him. But anyways, we'll get him on the show. I'm working on Eric Lindros. Working on a couple, we've got a couple of uh, lines in the water. Marty McSorley. It'll be good. And then, obviously, current players. So stick around, everybody. We'll have some fun. The current listeners, thank you, guys. Appreciate the support, and we will talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 